and you're wondering why, what happened, what went wrong. You know, they must have changed or man, their attitude changed, their personality changed. We find all sorts of reasons to defend why we don't like the other person anymore. But it's us. But it's, yeah, the fact that your immune system shifted, which alters our perception and our interests. And so as a result, the relationships oftentimes don't work out after there's that change or shift. I'm Julia, and I'm here with Mr. Surgeon, and today we're going to start by talking about, we're going to really, like, psychology of kissing was what this interview was uh, kind of surrounded about, but it's more the, sci- like, psychology of intimacy and relationships. Is that what? Yeah, to some extent. However, you know, in order to get into a relationship, there are certain things that sort of precede the relationship that... I think a lot of people are unaware of, but we'd be beneficial to know leading into a relationship because believe it or not, the first um, sort of elements before people start really dating are the, you know, well, there's things that are, are happening with regards to like first sight mm-hmm. and then, of course, the holding of hands and then eventual kissing and then it escalates from there. But if people knew sort of up front what was going on prior to getting into a relationship, um, they may sort of maybe, I don't know, they maybe they'd be more mindful or more um, more able to examine whether or not the relationship is going to last or not based on simple biology. Simple biology. Yeah, and psychology. So mm-hmm. what I mean by that is... Um, you know, we are mammals, mm-hmm. and I think that we forget that sometimes. You know, as humans, we're very egotistical, and we think that we're separate from the animal kingdom, but we are really, by nature, uh, mammals. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, one, you know, just over 1% separate from a chimpanzee, closer in relation to a bonobo, and a lot of people don't know what bonobos are. I don't know what a bonobo Yeah, is. you won't see them in zoos um, for obvious reasons. They're very... Um, well, let's just say that they end up having intimate relations on their first meeting. Hmm. Okay. They don't yeah. shake hands. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's not really a zoo. No, but there's a reason for that. And it kind of segues into this talk and to why or how we do things like kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, we're constantly, um, Uh, using surveillance, if you will, unconscious surveillance of the people that we're interested in. And there's little things like eye dilation. Oh, yeah, I've I've seen that. That are dead giveaways. If you're paying attention to it and you're not on drugs, because those will make your eyes dilate too, Mm -hmm. right, that are dead giveaways on whether or not a person is interested in you, right, aside from the light of the room, because that will influence it too. So aside from eye dilation, there are other things like, for example, males are unconsciously paying attention to, and this can sound really shallow, but they're paying attention to the hip-to-waist ratio. So one-third hip-to-waist ratio is sort of the ideal um, in terms of reproductive success. Mm -hmm. Now I know we're talking to teenagers and, you know, we're we're think we're talking about things that are more of adult nature. However, if you really consider what people are looking for when they first get involved in relationships, it's not always looking for a best friend, 
right? It's it's a little bit more than that. Even though we may not even be aware of it, your yeah. body and your mind are looking at things that you're psychologically unaware of. So eye dilation is a giveaway that you may not even be aware is happening, but your mind might pay attention to that. And as a result might be a, a lead up to further conversation. Right. Yeah. And then there's certain scents like females are very attuned to male scents, especially mm-hmm. testosterone. Um, and so a person who is giving off a lot of testosterone is likely going to be more attractive than that one who is not. Wait, we, so you can like scent like, like your brain can be like, oh, that, that person has a lot of testosterone. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And so, you know, there's other things too. Like you probably aren't aware of the, the markers of testosterone, which is like prominent cheekbones, deep voice broader shoulders Mm. obviously if they're tall right these are all testosterone markers that we generally don't pay attention to but many people find appealing more appealing than short people yeah because essentially what it's showing is strength yeah and the ability to be successful if you were to ever have kids right and so these are unconscious things that are going on behind the scenes in the female but also you have a stronger ability to detect smells Mm -hmm. and it's probably for survival principles you know reasons it's probably you know um if you think about it from an evolutionary standpoint you know to to be able to protect your child from dangers having a strong scent of danger either from tainted foods or things like that you know it'll Mm -hmm. help protect you from eating them but also will help protect your offspring too but yeah so you're able to detect um they're pheromones and uh because you are able to detect it a little bit better than men are able to detect scents in women men do different things like when they kiss so for example a lot of people wonder why when kissing tongue is used mm-hmm. right um otherwise known as maybe French kissing. And what's literally happening in a male is that because they don't have a good scent um, or ability to sense a female uh, in terms of things like her immune system, and you may wonder, what what, what are you talking about, yeah, right? That's how yeah. I feel right now. Yeah, so um, in order for couples to successfully have reproductive offspring, that are going to live and survive, we need to make sure when we select a mate that they have an immune system that is different from our own. Now, how are you going to test that, right? Are you going to ask for a blood test? Mm -hmm. You know, believe it or not, we have this built-in system. Um, They're called major histocompatibility complexes, MHCs for short, that are detectors of immune systems, an immune function and the only way we can determine whether or not a potential mate has a different immune system from our own and do you know why we need a different immune system well isn't it like um what's that called what is that like incest like inbreeding inbreeding like yes people would be all weird and yeah so genetically we don't do real well when we mate in our own bloodline Mm -hmm. strange things happen um, so we need to find a way to, to, to meet somebody who has a dissimilar immune system to our own 
And the one way we can figure that out is by sampling each other's saliva. Because it's in our saliva that these MHCs exist. Mm-hmm. And men don't have a really good way of of truly sensing the the MHC of a female. So they need a really big saliva sample. Mm-hmm. And how do you get that? Kiss. With the strongest organ in the body, the strongest yeah. muscle, right? The tongue. And so the tongue is used to gather more saliva. Sounds pretty gross, right? Yes. That's exactly what's going on. And if there's fireworks in that Mm -hmm. moment, that means you have a dissimilar MHC. That means you're kissing somebody who could potentially be a a mate, right? They don't have an immune system that's similar to yours. Therefore, the chances of if and when that were to ever happen, um, if you were to have a family, then you know that the offspring would be more likely to survive. And it also has something to do with fidelity too, cheating. Mm. Mm-hmm. So if for some reason, culturally speaking, um, let's say that there's an arranged marriage or let's say that someone puts you together and let's say that you don't kiss. And there's many cultures that don't kiss on the planet before they get together mm-hmm. for one reason or another. Statistically, those couples that have similar MHCs are more likely to cheat on one another. Oh. Because once they do become intimate after maybe they've gotten married or time has passed or whatever, or they have kids, right? Um, at some point, the female is going to detect that there's a similar MHC in the male. Yeah. And as a result, unconsciously, she's going to look for another more suitable mate. Oh. And so as a result, both male and female are more likely to stray to find somebody who has a differing immune system. Oh. Mm-hmm. True story. So my question is, why do we hold hands? So <clears throat> it, it starts, I think, at an early age. If you think about when we're first born, we're generally held. And if, if you've ever been to like a NICU unit where you see preemies, you know, babies that aren't ready to go home yet, either yeah. because they're born too early or something has happened, you'll notice the nurses are stroking their back with, you know, either their hands or sometimes even a paintbrush or they're stroking their head or they're holding their hands. That literally strengthens the immune system. Right, So touch strengthens the immune system. So when you're holding hands, um, yes, it is a sign of affection and interest. You'll notice that uh, our primate cousins do the same thing. But it's, it's, uh, it's, it's something that I think unconsciously we know will help boost another person's um, sense of well-being, which includes keeping you know, that person strong, both mentally as well as physically. Yeah, so a lot of what we're doing is all centered around survival and, and you know, a lot of it's courtship too. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the things that we do are trying to appease the other person, but when it comes to physical contact, a lot of it is just investigative, psychological, and biological work to make sure that there's a suitable mate. So you, I would assume you know about the fi- like the five love languages. Mm-hmm. So what if someone's like, not like what would you do if like someone's not physical touch like to them is like physical touch is weird and they don't want to like touch people and they don't want to be touched like what is 
what is that about? Like, so I feel like your love language is, um, let's say, uh, acts of service, mm-hmm. right? So the, these these love languages are are philosophical and theoretical, um, based on ideas that go kind of outside the confines of biology. And so when you when you get into these love languages, oftentimes they're rooted in how we're brought up. They're rooted in religion. They're related uh, related to, um, you know, all sorts of things that are culturally based as opposed to biologically based. And so, you know, there are certain things that we do behaviorally that have been conditioned in us because this is what we've been exposed to or brought up in. And oftentimes if you look at the love languages of your parents, Mm -hmm. they're going to kind of match the love languages that we pick up because we've been exposed to them. Mm -hmm. And so this is the interaction between nature and nurture, right? So what you're referring to with love languages is oftentimes um, based on environmental things, which we'll call nurture. Mm -hmm. Whereas the things I'm talking about with MHC is all nature-based, yeah. One more thing I forgot to mention with regards to MHCs and testing um, of each other's saliva is that weird things can happen when we manipulate our own immune systems. So um, (coughs) a lot of girls will take birth control, even though they're not active Mm -hmm. right they'll take it for acne reasons or they'll take Mm -hmm. it because you know there's certain times of the month which are difficult and so birth control oftentimes help ease those problems but if you look at how the hormones work when you take birth control it changes your mhcs oh because your body kind of thinks that you're pregnant and this is, I mean, there's a, there's a whole lot that goes beyond this, but essentially what, what birth control does is it helps ease oftentimes, um, the shedding of the endometrium. Yeah. Right. And so to sort of ease that up, you have to convince the, the body to not produce this hormone called progesterone. Okay. And so, or to produce more of it, mm-hmm. right? Um, it just depends on the situation. So when you're producing more progesterone, that means you ha- you're having easier times during that time of the month, yeah. just to put it simply. However, your body is thinking, your brain doesn't know what's going on, so your body's thinking, I'm pregnant. Oh. Your MHCs have to shift or change because if they stayed the same, your body would attack the child. Oh, I didn't know that. So the immune system has to be different from the baby, right? So mom's immune system shifts until the baby's born and then it shifts back. So think about this for a moment. If you're dating somebody whom maybe, you know, you're older and you, you know, that maybe there's a potential mates for life, mm-hmm. right? And, and you've been taking birth control for reasons other than being sexually active, you're getting together with somebody under the pretenses that you have differing MHCs because you've kissed and fireworks went off. But all of a sudden, let's say there's a time when you want to have a child. Oh, is you, that a thing that you get off the, the birth control, your MHCs switch. And next thing you know, you're not happy in a relationship anymore. Psychologically, 
and you're wondering why, what happened, what went wrong. You know, they must have changed or man, their attitude changed, their personality changed. We find all sorts of reasons to defend why we don't like the other person anymore. But it's us. But it's, yeah, the fact that your immune system shifted, which alters our perception and our interests. And so as a result, the relationships oftentimes don't work out after there's that change or shift. That's so weird. Mm-hmm. And these are all the things that people, you know, I wish, you know, so many people are on dating sites now. You know, they're meeting people because they don't have time to, to you know, actually mm-hmm. go out on a date. There's COVID, so people mm-hmm. are more interacting online and stuff like that. Or they'll go to these strange dating websites, you know, where all they're doing is asking questions about personality, asking questions yeah. about, you know, interests, commonality, similarities. The one thing they don't ever look into, though, are... the simple biology so i think that these companies perhaps should consider saliva samples you know get a saliva sample the other person that could be the first sort of indicator of whether or not you're heading in the right direction pending that is your sort of desires to find a lifelong relationship or a lifelong partner that you might want to have kids with do you think online dating is become a problem because because of that and also because it's so hard to know someone online yeah absolutely that and we're, we're always trying to put on a show mm. you know we're trying to put on our best selves and as a result we're not being true realistic we're trying to you know peacock mm-hmm. right you know put out our, our plumage and uh you know make the best show possible yet after a few months or maybe even possible you know a few years our true colors shine through and so as a result you know the the romance and mystery might wear off Mm -hmm. and I don't know how you gather that other than just spend a really long time with somebody and get to know them prior to making a commitment and that's just not how our culture works these days right we want things quickly we want things yeah. You know, we want instant gratification. And unfortunately, in relationships, that's sort of the worst model to operate from, you know, because we're missing all sorts of other things. Would you say that, um, I don't, not really, but like romance, you know, when people are like, romance is dead. Do you think that's one of the, like, I feel like that's one of the biggest reasons romance is dead is because we've almost over-romanticized being in a relationship. Sure, that and I think we've created these lofty expectations that we have to live up to that are really hard. I mean, Hollywood producers and writers and authors have done a really good job creating, you know, these strong metaphors and symbolic sort of representations of what romance is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, here we are, uh, awkward, you know, mammals walking around with these lofty expectations that when we actually get into a relationship... It's hard and it rarely matches up to what we see on the silver screen mm-hmm. and it's just a big letdown. And so we're left feeling like we need more and that the other person isn't giving us, you know, what we would think is a romantic, you know, romantically good time. And so we're left with this like feeling of, you know, it's it's not enough or something's missing. I need to go find that next best thing and then we keep searching and searching and searching and then finally when you get to be my age you realize yeah you know what the movie's just created something that probably is unrealistic yeah instead of just being okay with what we have and and finding gratitude in you know the things that we've got and appreciating them instead of taking them for granted Mm -hmm. um it's only then that i think we realize that 
we're okay. And what we have is okay. And it's not settling. Mm -mm. It's just, you know, this is what life is. And we shouldn't be searching for perfection because there's nothing perfect in nature. That's a very good way. I can never put it like that literally ever. Um, It's called, okay. Have you seen that thing? Delaney, you might know what I'm talking about. It's called Co. Have you seen it? It's on TikTok. Um, I've seen it. It's called co-regulation or something where these two, it's like a couple who's been together for a while and they'll sit and they'll just look in each other's eyes for like a whole, like for like as long, like a minute to five minutes to 10 minutes. And it's supposed to like, I don't know. I didn't know if you knew about it. It's where they're trying to like reconnect or it's something like that. Mm. So my question would be, where do you see this in the mammalian kingdom? Do any other animals do this? And if they don't, then it's probably some strange made-up philosophy or theory that is trying to convince us of something that may be not be happening. You know, this is this is new news to me. However, I do know that, you know, th- w- when couples do stare at one another for long periods of time, you know, there is this transference of energy. Um, if we, in fact, me sitting across the, the counter from you here, our bodies don't like to be asynchronous or out of synchronicity with one another. Your heart's beating at a certain pace. My heart's beating at another pace. And we're giving off electrical impulses. If we sit here long enough, our hearts are going to unite as one and that sounds very romantic and awkward and stuff but it's 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 just just a biological thing that our hearts our bodies are trying to match one another so we don't feel stressed that's so interesting so i can imagine something like that is going on where couples are trying to synchronize with one another and obviously if you're in sync with one another you're going to feel closer to one another i mean think about couples you know married couples in bed with one another really close Mm -hmm. they're Bodies are fighting against one another's metabolism and temperature. They so they kind of match one another. Oh, does that make sense? Yeah, it does and we make see sense. this like with female athletes and teams where they all no, get on the same cycle. That happens with me and my best friends. That mm-hmm. all happens to us. It's because your bodies don't like to be out of sync with one another. And if you're with each other long enough time, your bodies are going to find enough or a way to unify each other. So I think that's maybe what's happening. I'll have to look mm-hmm. more into it, and we can come back to that. It was just. I, I don't know. I saw it and I was like, I, because sometimes people do like things where my mom's like, my mom will be like, you have to hug me for 20 seconds or more for like dopamine to be released True. to the and body. And this is, this is going back to early childhood, right? Where you're being held. It's a reminder of early childhood experiences where you're being nurtured, right? We oftentimes will do that when mom or dad isn't around. We'll try to find the next best thing. And true enough, you know, when you're holding somebody, having that, that physical contact, it's boosting your immune system. It's, it's down-regulating your sympathetic nervous system, which is that one that comes online in fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're calling in with what we call the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the calming side of you. And so when you hug, it's bringing down your blood pressure, bringing down your heart rate, bringing down all sorts of stress. Mm-hmm. Right. That, uh, it, you know, influences the state of calmness. And yeah, it's got to be like a minute. Yeah. So when couples are arguing, right, really going at it, the best mm-hmm. thing that you can do is just to shut up and hug each other for like a minute and you both feel better. It's amazing how it just sort of diffuses everything. That's interesting. Yeah. 
Um, we're going to interview you, we want to, about astrology a different time because we know you have a view on it. Absolutely. But I want to ask real quick, do you think that if, do you think that has any effect? Do you think, astro well, do you think astrology is accurate or you think it's just a bunch of propaganda? Mm, I think it, it, it depends on a person's belief system, right? Mm. Like, if you have a strong faith or belief in, in anything, let's use the vaccine, for example. Yeah. Right? If you, um, you know, there, there's a, when they do vaccine trials, they have control groups. You know, people yeah. that get, like, a saline shot, others that get the, the real shot, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then in some instances, in some experiments, you know, that, so that saline shot is like a, a placebo, if you will. Yeah. They think maybe they're getting the vaccine, but they don't know. Oftentimes, the immune system will respond in kind and actually prevent them from getting sick. Oh, because they, right? they're like, oh, I have it. Like. Exactly. Now, you know, some viruses are more, I, I'm not saying people go out and get saline shots and believe in it, and that's going to mm -hmm. prevent you from getting a viral infection. But there's some instances where that placebo effect really works in pain relief, you know, getting over an addiction, you know, whatever, you know, um, people in trials of like taking pain relieving drugs, if they're given the placebo, their headache goes away because they believe they took the real thing. Is right. That kind of like, um, like if I, like if I did affirmations every day where I'm like, mm -hmm. kind of like, it's kind of like affirmations basically, but more on a, on a different scale. Mm -hmm. Um, what that's doing is your, your, your brain is hearing your voice tell you something that is kind of an instruction. Mm hmm feel better, feel this way. Often said when we just think something, we're not going to feel better until we actually hear it through our ears. So it has to come out of our mouth, back into our ears, and then get reprocessed in our brain. And so it's almost like somebody else is telling us to feel oh. better. And as a result, we, you know, these affirmations help us. It's like writing stuff down. We don't oftentimes feel better when we're upset unless we play a song, sing a song, yeah. get it out in the open, write it down. It's only through those processes that we, these affirmations work, right? Mm -hmm. But getting back to the astrology, we kind of got off topic there yeah. for a moment, getting back to astrology and whether or not um, there's anything to it. I think if you believe in it, you're going to set yourself up for expectations and that's telling your brain search for those things and then you're more likely to find it than not. So if Mercury's in retrograde, yeah. it's an excuse to have a bad day. Can, what's your sign? Just so Scorpio. Neither of us were right. I was saying either Aries or Taurus, uh -huh. and then she was saying Pisces. So you'd have to sit down and have a conversation with me for about an hour or two, and then I bet you'd get it right. But... You know, I've got a teacher hat that I have to put on, and oftentimes that doesn't reveal our true personalities. Oh, yeah. I know that my mom's a teacher. She's got the teacher hat. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So people don't know my religion. They don't know my political affiliation. They don't know um, my stance on many things, and I think that's important because as soon as somebody wears their cards on their sleeves, you're turning on one group and turning off another. And yeah. I want all my students to listen at all mm -hmm. times. And I want everybody to, to sort of, you know, feel good about what it is that I'm saying. So why give off more than I need to? Yeah. Which would include my sign. Yeah. You don't want to. Yeah. We know someone and she's, um, she like 
astrology is her thing. Mm-hmm. So she'll like like everyone hates Gemini's. Mm-hmm. So she'll if you're a Gemini, like don't tell her. Like don't tell her. Right. And, like she's like I hate air signs, but I mean like, dude, come on. What a way to live, right? It's kind of crazy. Labels and stereotypes. Isn't that a problem in our country these days? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Astrology. Someone said it was. It was bullying, but on like. Space, <laughs> space racism. Space racism. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> That's but, what you Brandon know, said because he's a Gemini. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, anytime you you sit down and you adhere to a set of principles, regardless if they're rooted in science or not, if they're influencing you to either um, accept a group or denounce a group, it's problematic. Yeah. Right. It's it's putting a boundary between between things instead of taking down a wall or a fence. So. You know, I don't really see the value in putting up boundaries against signs or saying, you know, because this person is this sign or that sign. I d- that's not very unifying. So I don't put a lot of credence in it. Have you ever read your astrological stuff? Sure. Yeah, I go to Chinese food restaurants and I look at the Chinese zodiac, whatever you want to call it. But I also will look at the newspaper, you know, and, you know. I can write a lot of words too that might make you think that I'm reading your mind. Yeah, what in essence, you know. Horoscopes yeah. to me are just really. I think that I honestly, I think someone sits there and they write a bunch of garbage and then they put it in a pot and every day they grab a different one <laughs> for each sign. Yeah. There might be a little bit more yeah. to it than that, you know. Um, there's some really good manipulators out there who, you know, fortune telling, they're really good at coercing a person to believe something. Um, and I know now I've just sort of made a whole bunch of enemies. But um, if you think about it, there are some really good people who are manipulative to the extent to where um, people are willing to spend money on it and people are willing to develop a belief system based off of what somebody is telling them because they don't have a strong enough will or personality to accept their own responsibility for their actions, right? Yeah. And so they put faith in somebody else to give them direction because they don't have the tools to do it themselves. That's sort of how I I feel about it. Yeah. But, but, but. Does the moon have an effect on water? It does. Right? The tides change as a result of where the moon's at, right? In terms of, you know, waxing mm-hmm. or waning, gravitational pulls and things like that. What's our body made up of primarily? Water. Water. So is there a gravitational effect on our own bodies as a result of these planetary things? Have you, uh, this is a question that, because my mom's a teacher, she teaches kindergarten, first grade, so they're uh-huh. already whack. Every full moon, the kids are talkative and they won't sit in their seats and they won't raise their hand and they won't do this and they won't do that. Do you see that in your students where they're more whacked out on full moon days? <laughs> um, I might attribute it to the night before when the sun or the moon is shining brightly through their windows, keeping their brains a little bit more turned on, right? Mm-hmm. Therefore, they're not getting a good night's sleep the night before that happens where they're unruly. The reason I say this is if you look at any like toddler at night, Uh just before bed, 
they try to keep themselves awake by going, you know, they're just crazy. They look like ultra energetic, like they just ate a you know candy bar. Yeah. When really it's just their brains trying to keep them awake. And so they get overly stimulated and they just are out of control. So take this backwards to the classroom on, you know, around a full moon. These brains probably didn't sleep really well the night before. And during the day, they're super tired, but their brains won't let them. And so their brain secretes chemicals that makes them whacked out crazy. And that's what you're experiencing. That's what, that's what we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't guess that. I would just been like, moon's crazy, man. Everything psychological is ultimately biological and vice versa. There's a virtually, a, a, you know, an explanation for everything, you know, with regard to psychology and biology. Try to go outside that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much. Anytime. I look forward to coming back again. Yes.